Today on Abounding Grace, let's see how we can be a support to our spiritual leaders. If we're the body of Christ, I want to live my life to make things easier for you, and I want you to live your life to make things easier for me, because we're on the same team, church. We're in this together. We're here to fight the forces of darkness, not one another. And that's what the Bible is teaching us, that we don't need to be in an adversarial relationship. We're on the same team. You have a role. I have a role. Our leadership has a role. Servants have a role. And when everyone does their part, there's victory and God gets the glory. This is amazing grace. After church, some people are known to sit around their Sunday lunch table and roast the pastor. With the advent of the internet, a good number of people are quick to criticize spiritual leaders. But today on Abounding Grace, we'll be encouraged to support our leaders. And Pastor Ed Taylor will give us some practical ways we can do that as we get back to our study of Hebrews. Take your Bibles, would you, and please open them to Hebrews chapter 13. We'll start there in verse 7, Hebrews 13, verse 7, and also 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Hebrews 13, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in a Bible study that I've entitled, The Joy of Supporting Our Spiritual Leaders. There is great joy in supporting our spiritual leaders. It's a necessity for us to be the type of men and women, the followers of Christ, that support the men and women that God has placed in leadership over our lives. And so here we are at the finish line for Hebrews. You know, some of it, you know, you look at the book of Hebrews and think it's one of the most difficult books in the Bible to understand. It certainly was a challenging book to study and teach, but we've learned over the years now that studying Hebrews isn't as hard as people make it out to be. There are a couple of different chapters that are challenging, but the overarching message of Hebrews is the superiority of Jesus Christ and the importance of Jesus in our lives. And last time we were together, we learned how we're to treat our spiritual leaders. And we learned in verse 7 of Hebrews 13 that we're to remember those that rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Then we learned, as you jump down to verse 17, we learned to obey those that rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. That you would, for that would be unprofitable for you. And then we learn in verse 24, greet those who rule over you. And all the saints, those from Italy, greet you. So we learned last time that God chooses the leaders he puts in our lives. He chooses the leaders he puts in our lives for our sanctification, for our spiritual growth, for us to become more Christ-like. We're to remember them, we're to greet them, we're to submit to them, we're to obey them. We're to follow their lead biblically, spiritually, and practically. Oh, we need to pause there and say, for, you know, we're not to worship our leaders. 
We're not to elevate them to some celebrity status. We're not to follow or submit to ungodly, unbiblical, or sinful leadership. No. But we are to obey their teachings as they line up with the scriptures. Let me give you a perspective as a leader where Paul is writing to Pastor Titus, and he tells Titus this. Listen, he says this in Titus 2.15. He says, speak these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority, let no one despise you. So it's almost as if he's giving Titus a warning, hey, ministry is going to be hard, and you're going to have to say hard things. You're going to have to warn people. You're going to have to tell them the truth. You're going to have to deal with difficult things. So when you do, Titus, do it. Don't shy away from it. And even to some degree, he says, don't let anyone despise you. For Timothy, he told Timothy, don't let anyone despise your youth. But for Titus, he said, don't let anyone despise you for being a leader. As you lead them, the response in some folks will be being upset with you. They'll be mad at you. They might look down at you. They might fight you on it. They might despise you. And for Titus, he's like, hey, don't let that happen continue to lead. Because you know what happens when people put in a position of leadership, when things get tough, the temptation to compromise comes. The temptation to water down things comes. The temptation to soften and not speak the truth. Because I mean, who wants to be despised their whole life? But any good leader, any good pastor will not have his eyes on the people. He will have his eyes on the Lord who is despised of men and, and who was looked down upon who was treated miserably. And those of you that are pastors listening in, those of you that are spiritual leaders, you have to understand it's part of the package. It's difficult to serve. But see, my responsibility is to watch out for you spiritually. My responsibility is to watch out. The Bible tells me that I have a role in watching out for your soul. And if I have a responsibility to watch out for your soul, then I must tell you the truth. And I must give you what you need to hear in the moment. And lead you well, not only in word, but also in deed. That not only would you listen to me and those that serve alongside of me, but also you would follow us. As Paul would say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And there is a relationship that goes between us. And just as church leaders are to rule and oversee in love and humility, those under their leadership are to submit in love and humility. And here's the goal. So that leaders can lead with joy and not grief. Because spiritual leadership is hard enough. And the admonition today for us is to be one less problem in the body of Christ. And know that you have a role and a position in the body of Christ to support your leaders. So the question today is how? How do I do that practically? How do I choose? And when I choose to be a support to my, how do I do that? What are some practical things that I can do that will bless, encourage, and strengthen the spiritual leaders that God has placed into my life to be a joy and not a grief? Well, turn your attention to 1 Thessalonians now, chapter 5, and I want to add to what we saw last time. There's some real practical things that God gives to us as believers in Jesus on how we can support our spiritual leaders. And I have to admit this morning... I have to admit today that as I teach this Bible study, that it can sound rather self-serving. It's an uncomfortable study in some ways. Because as you're listening to it, you might think, well, yeah, here it is, Pastor Ed setting everything up for himself and telling us how to treat him. And, I, and I'm not. 
I'm simply opening the Bible to you and teaching it. I want you to understand this. I want you to receive it. It's not merely for me as a pastor. I also have leaders in my life. And I also have a pastor and men that have poured into my life. And they deserve my respect and my honor and my submission to them. That we have a relationship. And I'm not the only pastor here. There are 12 men right now. I still have a couple openings. We have 12 men serving alongside of me. Not only that, but we have their wives and their kids serving this church. Not only that, we have lay leaders serving. Like it's not simply for me or to me. It's for us. And I have a responsibility to teach you the Bible. You need to know this and you need to obey this. Especially in the days in which we live. I would even say this, even though it can be a little difficult, I would say this, this study's not for me, it's for our community. Because what this community needs is a church that's at peace. What this community needs is a church that gets along. What this community needs is a light on a hill that spreads the gospel so that when they look at us, it, like, oh, another angry group of people, another group of people that's only known what they're against. They got some, what's their hobby horse, this. Instead, what this community needs is a church that is focused, laser, laser focused on the gospel and reaching this community. And so learning these things will help us get along internally so that when we do leave, our testimony and our witness to this community is a powerful one of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ among us. Imperfect, of course, but abiding in Christ. As the family of God, our hearts must be to support, love, help, and hold up our spiritual leaders. And our time together is an essential ingredient in your spiritual growth as we come together. Notice with me 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Pick up there in verse 12 with me. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. We have more instruction now on how to respond, how to have a deep abiding relationship with the Lord and the leaders that he has placed over us. Now, I like the phrase over us because it implies someone that is higher than another. Not higher in value or even in importance, but when you think of someone over you, what do you do to someone over you? You look up to them. And I believe there is a relational aspect of leadership where leaders are looked up to. That's why there's a greater responsibility given to leadership. That's why there's a greater accountability given to leadership. That's why the Bible says not many of you become teachers. Why? Because you'll receive the stricter judgment. And so the idea of rule of being over you doesn't mean that we control you, that we own you, or that we, not at all. But it does imply that there is a sense of people in the church that you look up to. And who knows, you may be the next man, the next woman that's going to be in a position of leadership that people will look up to you. So you're looking up, and there are those that the Bible just wants us to know there's order in the church, and there is leadership in the church. It's vital, it's necessary, has to happen. We have to have leaders in our lives. And God has established leadership in his church. And when we all work well together, 
amazing things happen. <laughs> when, we, when we are in unity and the Spirit of God's moving among us, amazing victories are accomplished. I don't have time to develop it today in Bible study, but let me give it to you. You can read it later. Exodus chapter 17. The scene is a battle scene between the enemies of God and Israel. And there we have the characters, the main characters, Moses, who's leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. You have Joshua, his assistant. So you could say the relationship between Joshua and Moses is Moses is over Joshua. Joshua looks up to him. And then you have Joshua, the general, he's leading the army into the battle. So when he goes down into the valley, Moses goes up to the mountaintop. And there it is where Joshua is fighting. Moses is up on the mountaintop, often, ref, uh, often a picture and type of prayer. And the Bible says in Exodus 7 that as long as Moses' arms were up, there was victory in the valley. But that as his arms were up, they became heavy, which then were introduced to two other men, Aaron and Hur, H-U-R. Aaron and Hur notice that they notice this going down. When his arms are up, victory. When his arms start to get tired, defeat. So they make a decision. They go and get a rock. They sit Moses on it. And either one, Aaron and Hur on either side, they come alongside Moses. And what do they do? They hold up his arms. And they recognize that Moses needed help. So that as Joshua is doing his part, Moses is doing his part. Aaron and her on either side of Moses are doing their part. As everyone was doing the part that God had for them, there was victory. And God did get the victory that day. And I like to share as we're discipling here, there'll be times when I'm sharing about holding up the arms of your leader. We have a responsibility to hold up the arms of our leaders and our pastors. To see the weariness and the tiredness and to recognize, I think I can help here. I want to be a help here. I don't want to be a harm. I want to be a help. And so we may take that position of holding up our pastors or holding up our leaders' arms. And I often share, you know, it's important for us to learn that we're to hold each other's arms up. And the last thing that I need as a pastor is for people to go around hanging on my arms and being a hindrance and making things harder for me and more challenging. Like if we're the body of Christ, I want to live my life to make things easier for you. And I want you to live your life to make things easier for me because we're on the same team, church. We're in this together. We're here to fight the forces of darkness, not one another. And that's what the Bible is teaching us, that we don't need to be in an adversarial relationship. We're on the same team. You have a role. I have a role. Our leadership has a role. Servants have a role. And when everyone does their part, there's victory and God gets the glory. With all that in mind now, how do we do this? Here's number one, category number one. How are we a joy? How do we experience joy in supporting our leaders? Number one, we esteem them very highly. Now, you may not use the word esteem very much. How about this? We respect them. We honor them. Now, here's a problem. Historically, the church has wavered between two extremes when it comes to its leadership. Extreme number one is that one side of the church has elevated leaders almost to the point of worshiping them and making them untouchable saints or untouchable celebrities. And it's sinful. It's not from the Lord. There are no celebrities in the church. We're all, and maybe you are a celebrity today. Maybe you have some influence in our city. You know, maybe you, you're, you're famous and God used, it's great. God has elevated you to a place where he can use you to reach more people for the gospel. But in this room, no celebrities. We're all the same. 
We're followers of Christ. That's, there, there's no celebrity among us. And that's an extreme. Leaders are not to be worshipped. They're not to be placed in a category that's different than you. They're not to be placed on pedestals. They're believers. I, like I think of my own life. I'm a believer. I was a believer before I was a pastor. Uh, pastor is my role. That's my responsibility. But it's not who I am. Who I am is a surrendered saint to Jesus. That's who I am. I, I am a wretched sinner that God graciously saved. And a pastor, teacher, that's the role and gifting that God has given to me. But that's not who I am. And so we don't want to elevate pastors and teachers to some untouchable, saying, you know, this was not just a 21st century issue. It happened in the first century. Remember Jesus writing to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2? He commended that church for not buying into the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And you're like, Nicolaitans? While there's a lot of debate on what that doctrine is, most scholars conclude that it was a doctrine that was the beginning of the separation of the laity and the priests. So that now, you know, there's normal people and then there's the priests. And it was just separation. You know, that's still with us today in some organized religions where, hey, there's a certain group of people, untouchable, put them up in stained glass, make saints out of them, and everyone else, we're just regular, ordinary folk and we'll never. No, the Bible says we're all saints. The Bible speaks of us all being valuable in the eyes of God. And the difference between us is really in the realm of authority that's delegated by God and responsibility. And it is great responsibility. It is challenging. The other extreme is this. The other extreme is equally dangerous, and that's when people choose not to respect leaders. When people choose not to respect or honor, listen, or even listen to leadership and become very rebellious. And so I went through, in the years that I've been a pastor, I've experienced a lot of this. Uh, because when I share something, folks don't like it or don't want to hear it. Or there's at odds in the Bible. You know, I'm trying to open a Bible to them and they get mad at me. And so I'm, I'm going to give you some things that I've personally experienced over the years. I don't need to make them up. Where in a difficult, tense time, someone will come to me and ask me this question. They'll say, who are you to me? Just like that. Who are you to me? Well, let me answer that for you. Uh, it's really a twofold answer. Number one, I'm nobody. Let's just settle it. I'm nobody. I'm just a guy following God. I'm not any better than you, not more important than you. I'm nobody. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's it. I'm nobody. But let me give you the second part of the answer. Because you say, who are you to me? I could also answer you this. I'm a pastor in the church of Jesus Christ opening the Bible to you and telling you the truth and compelling you to listen to what God says about your life. That's equally, that's who I am. I am a pastor. God has given me insight in his word for the situation in your life. Now, you want to listen to me, don't want to listen to me, that's your problem. But I'm going to tell you what I need to tell you for the situation in your life. You want, you want to know why? I'm going to give account to God for my interaction with you. And I would hope I know people get really upset, but I would hope from a pastor, you would want us to tell you the truth. Yes? yes. You, that's what a person that loves you does. That's what a person that cares about you does. So let me give you another one. Let me give you another one because I'm going to take these. I'm going to ask these and then, I'm, then since I'm going to give you the answer already, you never ask me this ever again. <laughs> All right, here's number two. Not only is who are you to me, but how about this one? Why should I listen to you? Hmm, good question. Let me answer it for you. Why should you listen to me? And again, this isn't a tense situation where you don't like what I said. Why should I listen to you? Who are you? I'll tell you why you should listen to me. Because the Bible says you should listen to me. That's why. The Bible says. 
Oh, it's not just me. Here's what the Bible teaches. Test all things, hold fast to what is good. So the fact that listening to me doesn't mean I'm going to be right all the time. It doesn't mean I'm going to hit a grand slam all the time. But I'll tell you why you should listen to me. You should listen to me because the Bible says, test all things, hold fast to what is good. And if you chose to blow me off, if you choose to ignore me as a pastor in the church of Jesus Christ, you go, oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't apply to me, then it's your responsibility because the Bible tells you to test all things and to receive it into your life. And if I happen to be wrong, then that's going to lead to another conversation, isn't it? And it's going to lead to humility in my life to say, well, what did I miss? And let's talk about this because my heart is not to get my point across. My heart is for you to be in a right relationship with Jesus. That's all that matters. Let me give you another one. How about this? You're not God. And that's an easy answer. You're right. <laughs> and you should be really, really happy I'm not God. Because this world would be upside down if God gave me that. Of course I'm not God. I have no desire to be God. I have no desire to live your life for you either. I want to give you the wisdom of God so that you'll live your life. And you'll honor God with it. Because if you choose to continue, listen, if you choose to continue to live in sin, it's going to wreck you. It's going to destroy you. And you know, we'll be there for you to pick you up and we'll be there for you to help you. We'll be there for you when you choose to come back. When you choose to repent, we'll be there for you. But it doesn't have to be that bad. You can repent today. So my heart is not to get my point across. Is you can listen to me or not. My point is to get God's, my, my goal is to get God's point across and let the Holy Spirit work in your life. Let me give you one more that has been brought to me. I don't have to submit to you. Well, that's a dangerous statement because unless I'm sinning against you, unless I'm giving you some, something unbiblical, if this is your spiritual home, you do need to submit to me. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, that submission is not unhealthy, and I'm not demanding it. I'm just telling you, if we have, we're to have a right relationship together, submission is part of it. And we've studied that before. There's mutual submission too. Uh, I'm not here. I'm here as a believer as well. There's mutual submission. Listen, there's a relationship between the leadership and the flock that requires two things, mutual trust and mutual submission. And that just happens between us. But to cop an attitude where I don't have to submit to you. And here's what happens. People take, you know, they get mad. I don't submit to you. I don't have to do it. I'm going to go to that other church. Well, let me tell you something. When you get to that other church, if it's a real, true, God-honoring church, the same issues you had here, you're going to have there. You're not going to run away from your issues. You go, well, you know, it was Ed, Ed, Ed. Well, maybe it was. But if you don't resolve it biblically, you're going to take it to the next church with you. And then you're going to get mad at that pastor. Well, I don't have to submit to you. And then you start going from church to church, all upset, all mad, all bitter. You won't submit to anyone. Whose problem is that? Well, it's yours and ours. Because you're our brother. You're our sister. And if the enemy can get you all bitter and angry and making submission an issue and just, I don't like that, I don't like, then you hurt yourself. And then when the Bible, the Bible says when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. And it hurts the mission of Jesus. That's the issue. 
You have been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. You can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. We couldn't be more excited about this month's offer. We've just released Pastor Ed's new book, Face Your Fears. Are your fears holding you back from God's best in your life? Do you recognize that your fear is robbing you of your faith and your trust in God? This little book was put together to encourage you as you move from fear to faith. And we'll send you a copy with our thanks when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or order it online at calvaryco.store. Again, that's calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of listeners just like you. And as we continue delivering God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. One other thing you might want to check out if you're in the midst of grief or suffering is Pastor Ed's blog. He shares raw thoughts on life, ministry, and grief. That's at edtaylor.org. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.